Hey everybody, welcome back to a special stream of Big Apple Hockey because there was big news yesterday that we weren't able to report. And uh, obviously you want to get our reactions. We want to give you our thoughts as well and get yours. And of course, I am your host, Mark Williams. And despite what I might have been saying, I do wish Gerard Gallant all the luck. The guy's a great guy. Let me throw on my banner because I like this one better. I always say this. And just like me, a man who was waiting for Tears of the Kingdom coming out Friday, Mr. John Volkowski. It popped up in my switch yesterday and or on Friday, I should say. And I was like, ooh, I was like, can I play it? Did I get it early or something like that? Nope. What a tease. No, nah. nah, I mean, I, I, I actually I can't wait just to find out all the story beats that's going to be in there. Can't wait to find out what to do with uh, what was it called again? The one that you confuse. So there's the one that you can like uh, put a boulder on a stick and stuff like that. And the different yeah, combinations you can come up with. I, yeah, I don't remember what the feature was for that, but I saw that. I was like, Oh crap. I was like, so you're, you're going to be allowed to, you're going to be allowed to get like weapon upgrades sooner than like later. Like it was like in breath of the wild. Like you had to really kind of fight to get weapon upgrades and shit. And right. Now all of a sudden, like you're going to be able to, you know, take a, a boulder and, and a stick and, and whack somebody and, kill them and then you can upgrade quicker that way so right and you know what it, there's there's so much to do with this and and now you're gonna get all the the enemies back in at least different enemies than what we got with uh we, we know we're on a tangent everybody don't worry we're getting to it uh the uh like the 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 blight ganons it seemed like there was always just the blights and then there was the hinox the uh uh, the sand worm thing, and then something else. And you know what? You know what? I, I agree with you on that one. Galant just wanted to play Tears of the Kingdom. That's why he decided to completely shit the bed when it came to the, the first round of the playoffs. Because as I'm doing the postseason wrap-up right now for the New York Rangers, I'll do the New York Islanders next week as well. And I'm trying to get as many teams in. I think I did about 10 teams last year. It was kind of impressive. But doing more out of that. But um, check that out. That's going to be on Big Apple Hockey Podcast. And by the way, Phil, you know what I did today? I made it a drizzly day. I ordered a bunch of stuff. And a matter of fact, still got some beers that are supposed to be coming in any moment. Oh, but wow. yeah, we're having people over. So I had, to, I had to do something with that. And you guys could always check out Drizzly in the comments below. Have the liquor store come to you. But the New York Rangers part ways with Gerard Gallant after two seasons. This is a guy, Phil, me and you were openly just trying to get on the New York Rangers. He won 99 games, 46, uh, 46 losses, 19 overtimes. And he got the Rangers to the Eastern Conference Finals last year. But they were up 2-0 in a playoff series. It looked like they were going to breeze right by New Jersey. And his lack of adjustments was his downfall. So let, let's start with that one, Phil. You saw this as well as I did. Anybody that was on Rangers Twitter saw this. Why couldn't he make adjustments? He, I, I really don't believe he's a like a real X's and O's type guy. I, Agreed. I, I think he's, I think he's more of a hands-off type coach that kind of leaves it to the players, and 
there was supposedly a big shouting match between him uh, and then or him and the coaching staff and Chris Drury after game four. And I, I was just thinking this earlier on today that I think that shouting match may have had to do with, you know, the team just not responding and not playing well and Drury telling him that, Hey, you know what? You've got to do your job and you got to make adjustments and you got to get these guys going. And Gallant probably fired back at Drury and it turned into a shouting match. So for, for me, it's not just lack of adjustments. It's lack of the, it's the fact that he lost this team twice, twice. I would say even multiple times in one season. Mm -hmm. You can't, if you lose a team once, that's bad. If you lose them a second time, especially in the playoffs, that's it. And Jacob Shruba's exit interview, that tells you all you need to know. That tells you all you need to know. He, there was no ringing endorsement. It was just like Quinn. When Quinn was on his way out, that the Rangers did nothing to stick up for him, nothing to say anything good about him. And Tr Jacob Shruba did the same thing. Even Barkley Goodrow was kind of hesitant to say good things about Gerard Gallant. I mean, he was a little more positive sounding, but Jacob Truba seemed like he wanted him gone. Yeah. And, and you know what? You, you call a player soft and I get that. I, I do agree. Like I see it a lot of the, in the comments here. Um, that if, if you're, I mean, a big part of it is on them too. I mean, no Zibanejad was almost invisible the entire series. Panarin was a detriment in the series. Chris Kreider, he was good in three, in three, maybe four games. And in the other three games, he was horrendous in. Vinny Trocek was horrendous. Um, I, I just, I, I, I get like, you know, oh, well, Gallant's a scapegoat. He's not just a scapegoat, but he's also part of the reason why they lost. Like, as, as a coach, and you know what? I, I just saw this. Hold on. I'm going to pull this comment up from Johnny. If million dollar players need to be prepared for a game seven, then these players are disgraced. No, that's no, no, no. It, we'll it, get to the particulars on that in a second. It, it's it's also on coaching to get them prepared, and that's your job as a coach. That's one of your basic job requirements as a coach is to get these players to to play in these games and get them going. And I'm gonna I'm gonna take it a step further, and I can tell you right now, no. It, it, this is just wrong. It's sorry. It's wrong. But if if you're not if you're not there mentally, and the coach is not on top of you, and you see that the leadership group is not strong enough to get this team going for a game, that's part of the coach's responsibility. And that's why Keenan got the job done because even he, Messier said so. If Messier said so, then you should look back at Messier's little spouts that he had with Keenan because Keenan was on top of him, and Messier was a very strong captain. They, yeah, they, uh, there's – and we're going to get to the to Mark Messier because his name always pops up in these situations. But the coach has got to at least point you in the right direction. It was clear that. and obvious that was not the case with Gerard Gallant. Gerard Gallant – was not really pointing them in the right direction. You saw no structure from this team. You, I, I, My high school team had more structure. Coach Alange could definitely coach uh, that series and and win two out of the last five games. And not one. That's, that's the one that they 
it was a problem. And it was also brought up on Rangers Review with us, uh, Stat Boy Steven. Kirschmead's last four games, it's been two shutouts and he's been pulled two times. They weren't playing um, Patrick Waugh and Dominic Hoshik rolled into one. It was, this was a team that it seemed like there was just no consistency, no structure, no five on five play, unless it was the kid line. And that's why, Johnny, I got a couple other uh, of your comments that are pretty good that we need to address. But there's, there was so much lacking with this team. And it was apparent when Lindy Ruff made adjustments, especially in game four. Game three, you want to say uh, it was an overtime win. The Rangers had a one nothing lead, but they were, and they had the puck, but they couldn't get it to the middle and they were stifled. Okay, that's fine. That's good adjustments. But if you watch a condensed game, go on NHL.com right now. Watch the condensed game of or the, or the recap, the three-minute recap. There is a shot on goal from Patrick Kane on the power play on the right wing boards. That's it. They had no offense in game four, barely any in game five. They were down three. They were down two. The series was tied at two, down three, nothing. And they were outshot 20 to two in the third period. Take a freaking timeout, Gerard Gallant. Get your team focused. Do something. He did and nothing. yes, high paid players are one thing, but you got, you could have a Ferrari. You got to have a competent driver. I always said that about uh, uh, David Quinn. Philk, go to you. It, it, the problem is, is that you can't, th- he lost this team twice. He absolutely lost this team twice. And you can't lose a team in the playoffs. You can't. It's a it's a big – okay, and I, I'm actually going to go off a little bit here because I like this one. Why is Drury not a part of the issue? Chris Drury isn't a part of the issue because he went and went, went out and made the big deals that he needed to to get this team over the hump. The players failed, and the coach didn't do anything to help that team out. You want to call that leadership group soft? Yeah, I agree. Zibanejad was horrendous. Panarin was a detriment for the third for the third postseason with this team. Panarin was a detriment. He's got to go. But Gerard Gallant has to make adjustments. As a coach, you have to play X's and O's. There's no structure. There's no adjustments. And he lost the team. Jacob Truba's exit interview said everything that needed to be said. Everything right. that needed to be said. You could have had him say one good thing, one half positive thing about Gerard Gallant. And he refused to. That's your captain right there. And I think he's a terrible captain. But I think he's right about Gerard Gallant. Gerard Gallant leaves everything at the player's feet. And he did. And 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 Chris Drury, I, I mean, you know what? Let me ask you something. How many people do you, how many GMs do you think have the chance to acquire Patrick Kane at the deadline for what the Rangers acquired him for and don't make that deal? How many GMs? None. Think? None. Exactly. I'll answer that one. It, it, it's, I, I don't think there is a general manager that's out there, even with the injury situation the, or the supposed injury, what was going on. I think every general manager, every other general manager, all 31 others, all go ahead and make that trade. And you know what? I did say that Barbashev at one point was a better fit. Yeah, I, I do agree. But – as did Anthony. Yeah, and, and Anthony did say the same thing. But 
Yeah, you know, Gordon, yeah, this is another thing. We'll get into this in a little bit because I like this, but yeah. But Thanks, because I, I brought that up the other day on the show. Yeah, because Gor- Gordon needs to be held accountable for his failures as a general manager. But you're, you're looking at a team that has one, two, three, four, five, five I would say six real top-end talents. Kreider didn't show up outside of three games. And then you, you Zibanejad and Panarin were horrendous. Kane was better than almost anyone on the entire team, and he was playing on one bad hit. Yeah. So, you know what? It's not on Drury. The players – and, and also, Phil, let's get to something else about Kane. Or sorry, about Drury, I mean. He got uh, Vladimir Tarasenko, yeah. Patrick Kane – uh, Nico Mikola and uh, uh, Tyler Mott. He gave up one first round pick, one second round pick, two fourth round picks. And that's Who? all he gave up. How can you blame the general manager for getting all of that for as little as he did? And then the coach not doing his job. And then the players. The, the leadership group specifically wilted. Like mm-hmm. you're the the captain and two of the A's need to lose their letters. That that's it. And that's what it comes down to. And I said that and I said that before this series ended. I said it on our last stream before the series ended. I said that if they lost this series, the players needed to lose their letters. Mm-hmm. And they should. They absolutely should. It's pathetic. I know it's not going to happen, but they should because it, that leadership group is a joke. And that's why Gerard Gallant is not a terrible coach, but he is not the coach for this leadership group. And this group cannot be made changes to because, as Mark pointed out, Jeff Gorton hogtied them with those no-movement clauses. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, strip, strip the C especially. I totally agree. He is terrible. I would rather see Brian Leach captain the 1998 through 2000 Rangers again than watch Jacob Truba captain this team going forward. Terrible. Just a terrible captain. The worst I've seen in my 30-plus years of watching this team. Now, a couple bits of news before I start to ask this next question. But the Rangers have ruled out Joel Quenville, and let's get started quickly on Joel Quenville. And I, w- I really want to go off on the next thing because there's the next thing really frustrates the hell out of me. But Joel Quenville is a great coach, but taking the ca- uh, taking the um, another sort of issue that comes in. If the Rangers, uh, let's say the New York Jets signed Colin Kaepernick, the first 50 questions, 45 of them are going to be about his protest and everything he's been through. Joel Quenville, how many of those 50 questions do you think are going to be asked about the Chicago scandal? The guy's already a distraction before he walks through the door. And yeah, you could say it's hockey. Yeah, it gets brushed under the rug. Look at Twitter. That's you're going to lose. You're going to lose the fans before you even get them. And Phil, you're going to address both of these in one second because I have to go off on this one. Mark Messier has never coached a single game, ever. No, absolutely not. 
Mark Messier cannot be the coach. Do you want to win a Stanley Cup? All right, actually, you know what? Let me go with this. Do you want to win a Stanley Cup? Because you're not going to do it with a rookie head coach, especially Mark Messier. I know Mark Messier won in 94. Mark Messier was also the 2000 captain to 2004. How, did, you, did you see the Rangers make the playoffs any of those days? Nope. So let's start with that one. Okay, now let's go to young talent. Mark Messier got more young talent shipped out of town than any other. Uh, uh, come on, Matthias Nordstrom just to get Yari Curry? I mean, there's so much of that. So Kako Lafreniere, all these guys, uh, Brendan Ottman, you might as well just get every single aging, decrepit player to come in. And I know what people are saying. Well, the Rangers do that anyway. But at least the Rangers were getting talented players to come in. Like, there was so much. John McClain was on this team, I believe, when Mark Messier was still there. But it's... Uh, no, I think he arrived. No, I think he might have left in 2000. But still, guys, no, Mark Messier is not a coach. He's totally fine on ESPN. Him and Subban arguing. But he cannot be the coach. Do you want to win a cup? You want to go with growing pains of a coach? Because Wayne Gretzky was a great coach. Um, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Steve Eiserman's a good, a great GM, but that's a GM. That's something completely different. No, no, no. Messier can never be the coach. He just, it, it, it's, uh, as somebody, somebody mentioned, and, and I responded to it before. Oh, no, State of Survival. Martin San Luis had never coached a single game. No, Martin San Luis was actually a coach for a prep school called uh, Mid Fairfield in Connecticut. I know somebody who actually played for him. Um, he, he played for the U S national development team afterwards. Um, it's actually playing in, uh, the USHL this year. So yeah. Um, Martin San Luis had head coaching experience. Mark Messier has literally never coached at any level. He's never coached, He's never coached. Um, I, I gotta tell you right now, um, I, I would imagine this team is probably banking on Mike Sullivan being available. Um, I, I think Andrew Burnett is probably the front runner right now, if you ask me. But this team, you're right, they can't go with a rookie head coach. And that's why uh, Chris Knobloch, I don't see it. I don't see it. I really don't. Um, I, I just I don't I don't think it's a good idea. I think if Andrew Burnett's available, like you saw what he did, Ted Nolan is not going anywhere near an NHL. I think that's a more of a troll job. Yeah, that's <laughs> got to be a troll job. So, <laughs> Laviolette is probably somebody that is probably high up on their list. Um, the Tampa assistants, I don't know if I would really go there. Um, Tampa, I mean, John Cooper's a great head coach. We're, we're seeing what happens with some of the assistants, some of the protégés with <sighs> Lambert across the uh, across the island. You know, mm. everybody thought, oh, Lambert studied under trots. Lambert will be great. Nope. Lambert was really not that good. So there were there were times where I thought he was going to end up being a solid NHL coach. Like, I think they were 13 and six and two, I think, at some point after the Horvat trade. And you're like, all right, they're going to. Nope. And you saw it in the playoffs. And look, Rod Brindamore didn't have much head coaching experience, but he was still the understudy that was over there. Um, Phil, again, it goes to what the goal of this team is. 
And this, if this, if it's a Stanley Cup, I don't think you could go with a rookie head coach. As much as Chris Knobloch is starting to appeal to me, Stephen made a great case for him. Talked about the culture. There's only one thing I have to I have to say about that. One of the things that that he was mentioning was all these players they were in when it was John Cooper. They went to Syracuse, and then they went up the chain to. Uh, get to uh yeah growing basically as a team with the same coaching system i get it understand exactly same coaching system same everything here's a problem i have how many games did kako play in hartford zero games did lafreniere play in hartford zero so though that's already that's two players as much as i'll say this about chris donblock i know at least he's going to focus on developing those players and i know what you want to say guys it's three years in on Kako. It's two years in on, oh, sorry, three years in on Frenier, four years in on Kako. You got to focus on development. Well, maybe that's the reason why Filipino took five years. Because six, six I'm sorry, that, that like, uh, play, that coaches had no interest in coaching them. David Quinn, David Quinn t- removing Kako and putting Ryan Strom on there. I just, that that's another one you were brought in to develop these guys and 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 these guys had no interest this there is, is still a good comment and yeah i i, I wouldn't rule knoblock out i i think it's unlikely i could be wrong um knoblock is probably going to be in consideration because i feel like kelly and murphy would have gotten canned with galan you know what and there's still time for them to get canned that's the, that's the counterpoint i'll make there um, but again, I, I, I don't think that they're going with a rookie head coach. I really don't. Um, James Dolan likes to make big splashes. He does. And in, in, in a season or, or with a season ending the way that it ended, I think that Dolan is going to go and he's going to make a big splash. He's going to get an established name. So I, again, like I said, I could be wrong, but I, I have a hard time seeing it. One thing I do have to address, and I read an article about this before getting on here, just to make sure. Mike Babcock says he's retired because he said he's gonna. He wanted to retire by sixty. He's fifty nine years old right now. Right now, he's volunteering as a coach at a college in Canada. Mike Babcock's an, an option. I mean, sure, there's some, there's some like problems there. It's nowhere near the level of Quenville. No, and. No. And look, if you guys think first I'm bashing Mark Messier as a coach, uh, as a coaching option right now, I think it's absolutely ludicrous. As the 94 captain of the Rangers all the way to 97, can't say enough great things about him. 2000, 2004, mixed bag. But, I mean, it's it's one of those things that everybody's got to get this idea out of their minds. Because every time there's a coaching vacancy, it's always Mark Messier. Mike Sullivan, by the way, good choice. But again, I'm going to reflect back to. Here's an interesting one, actually. Go ahead. Why not Knobloch with veteran coaches and assistant? Jock Martin was under David Quinn as a defensive coach. I would honestly, I never wanted them to let him go. I thought the defense was playing well under him. Mm-hmm. Um. I, I would think that maybe if you bring up Knobloch and you bring up Jock Martin with him, you have a guy that has head coaching experience 
been around for a long time and he knows what he's doing. So it, it, that wouldn't necessarily be a bad move. Um, I don't know how you can consider Knobloch a big splash, considering that Knobloch has barely coached anything at the NHL level. I don't, I don't know how that works. Uh, now, I don't know sense. Now, just by the way, Phil, I got to ask this question. Is, is Knobloch really out of the state of, uh, sorry, the, um, the really out of the realm of possibilities? That's what I was trying to say. Because, after all, when he came up when the Rangers had COVID, I know when people say, oh, hey, they uh, they basically used the structure that was in place. Quinn was still calling the shots from off the, off the ice. But that team played exceedingly well under Knobloch. It did, but it's a very small sample size. And I think part of that was also kind of as like a spiteful F you to David Quinn. Mm-hmm. I think they were tired of Quinn at that point. I had said several times that they'd lost the team at that point, or Quinn had lost the room. Yeah. And that was my their, – their response to having Knobloch come up was just the proof of that. And then the minute that Quinn comes back, they have that one week where they play Washington and Buffalo in those four games – and they they lose two of them. They lose to Buffalo then in a shootout. Yep. I mean, and yeah, and that was the year out. that uh, for one of our um, first bar talks, uh, <laughs> we I gave you the one. The New York Mets will win a game before the Buffalo Sabers, and they beat the Mets by three days. So yeah, like Buffalo was in shambles. But again, yeah. it's just it's just. Uh, you, I want to think outside the box and I want to find somebody that's going to get the young players to buy in. And as well as this whole oh God, Philk, the, I'm, I'm about to give you the checklist. This coach has to do. He's got to get the young players to develop that are already there. And the ones that are coming Ottman Schneider, uh, Miller, obviously Lafreniere, Kako, Heedle. Because those guys are there. I'm gonna, the Rangers... I'm gonna I'm gonna have to cut you off. I'm, I'm sorry because th- this one just came up. But how it, it, it we've addressed this several times. Yes. And the issue is is that the previous GM hamstrung this team with veterans and gave them no movement clauses. You can't get rid of these guys. You yeah. Know, unless Artemi Panarin gets berated by Chris Drury. Like he did the crafts off, or, or or like he called them out after last year's playoffs again, and he decides that he wants to get the hell out of New York after like some shouting match with them. Then uh, you know what? It, I it, I don't see Panarin going anywhere. So Benajed, you just gave him a new deal. He's got a no trade clause. Chris Kreider has another year left before his no movement clause uh, turns into a no trade, and Jacob Truba. He's got one season left before his uh, his no movement clause turns into a no trade. So nothing like that is happening right now. Let me also remind everybody what I said on Wednesday: Artemi Panarin and Jacob Truba don't have one no trade clause; they have two. Because the first one is, "Hey, Artemi, do you want to go play in Team X? Let's say Anaheim." Go to sunny California. You want to go play there? Look at look at all that. The second no trade clause is the eleven and a half million dollars. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's, it, that's then it's, then the Rangers have to talk about eating at least three million dollars every single year. 
just to make it more attractive so they don't have to give up a first-round pick or anything like that to get rid of this guy. You're going to have to try to figure out a way to win with Artem Aaron. And until I see otherwise, I mean, the reason why a lot of these, a lot of the stuff did not go the Rangers' way is they not only, I mean, they didn't go to the, the slot except for game six. That's where they were able to get shots from the slot. I guarantee you look at games three, four, five in that series. There was nothing in game seven. Nothing, nothing in game seven. You yeah. had a Vladimir Tarasenko shot on the power play. That was it. They, they got nothing, which yeah. again, that shows you that good coaches are out there. Lindy Ruff. I'm, I'm not fully on board with him being as great of a coach as what people thought. Um, but Phil, the other part of it is you're going to, like, like I said, you're going to have to figure out a way to get these guys to drive the net, draw penalties, get in goalies faces, not just look for the happy pass all the time. It's just the perfect pass. I mean, it's just, they try to pass the puck into the net. That's a problem. You can't do that. You can't. You see Carolina, they're peppering Schmied with shots. And Schmied's getting exposed because he's not good. He's not good. His glove hand is like this. Yeah. Like, it's like here. It's stupid. And you go. You have to go like up and down here instead of having it higher up here. And you'll usually most guys don't want to shoot down. They, yeah. they want to go high glove. That's a lot of shooters' tendencies. So if you have it up higher, you know, you can get to this here better. But all you have to do is shoot right by his ear, and it's a goal every time. Every uh, time. Back when I was in high school, I used to shoot in between the glove and uh, the pad because yeah. I always I always said the goalies don't want it. They don't naturally snap it down. They snap they it up. Yeah. And especially back when – how old I am, Jesus – uh, you could put, you could see it in the Vegas video when me and Phil went to Vegas. I used to keep my catching glove right tucked against my arm so I could snap it up to get the puck. That's not the way it is now. Now you're more like Henrik Lundqvist with the glove up here. The natural move isn't going down. Jonas Sigethaler's goal the, that won the game in Game Four. That's that because Igor. Went that was a that. terrible. It's goal. a terrible goal. Igor was set. Yeah. Well, by the way, uh, Jay, you're going to be answering this for a long time. The Rangers have been doing this for as long as I can remember. They've been doing, one, they've been doing it forever. And not only that, but you actually you, – you bring me into a point that I wanted to make here. Is that this team, under Gallant's tenure, has been mired in inconsistency. Slow mm. starts, uh, piss-poor efforts. Uh, one game, they'll look like they're just unstoppable – and then the next, they look like they're complete dog shit. And you, you, if if a coach has that much of a sample size to the point where this team can consistently be inconsistent in not only the regular season but the playoffs, then the coach is to blame as well. And you know what? I, I, listen, I'm not I'm, I, I'm not admonishing the players or, or relieving them of any blame or anything like that. I am. I am blaming them just as much as I am blaming the coach. The coach had to go. The coach wasn't the right fit. Um, and, yeah, and this is another thing, too. Five on five has been non-existent. They've been at the bottom of the league. Part of that is due also to poor roster construction. They've had no right-wing production for the majority of Gallant's tenure. Mm-hmm. Okako simply hasn't been good enough to be a top-six winger during that that time and, and you expected him to make that jump especially after Buchnevich was moved 
Yeah, and it just didn't happen. And you you, you lost Butchnevich. Butchnevich would have absolutely helped. Him, Kreider, and Zibanejad five-on-five were great together. But uh, their five-on-five play has been horrendous since um, Jesper Faust left because Jesper Faust helped Artemi Panarin and Ryan Strom out at five-on-five. That line yep. was dominant at five-on-five in 2020. And uh, so... Phil, I'm going to borrow uh, words from my season wrap-up article right now. Under the what went wrong category, I had two things. One was five-on-five scoring. The other one was this. Inconsistency. The Rangers often don't look like the same team in consecutive games. While the Rangers followed up with uh, horrible stretches, they followed up with incredible streaks. From October 20th to December 3rd, the Rangers were 8-9-5, and five, outscored 59 to 64. They looked overwhelmed by even the lowly Blackhawks. Then they went on an absolute tear 20, 22, 4 and 3, outscoring opponents 113 to 73 in that span. And then they promptly went right back into a 2 5 and 1 stretch, outscored 20 to 30. You didn't know which team would show up every single no. night. And you no. might want to say, yeah, that, that's the ebb and flow of the season, not to that extreme. Yeah, well, the, the thing is, is when it continues to happen over two full seasons, and even when you get the improvements that he needed at the deadline both years, they were still inconsistent, better but still inconsistent, and then, you know what, to me that tells me that it's not just the players, it's also the coach. And, and also, know, too many people get attracted to 100-point seasons. Okay, yeah, great, 100-point season. How badly were they, how badly, how inconsistent was this team in, in, in a season in which he scored 100 points? It's it's almost like you know what this team scored 100. Uh, this team got 100 points this year with Igor Shosturkin having a real up and down type of year. Like well, it's pedestrian for Igor. For, yeah, just a real up and down year for him. Could you imagine if the coach could have gotten them to play like semi consistent hockey from? November to January. And just to also say, look, again, I'm I'm not exactly admonishing the Rangers completely because the Devils were still 112, 113 point team. No, 112. I'm sorry. It's not like they lost to the Florida Panthers barely trying to scrape on in. I mean, and look at what the Panthers are doing right now. That's a different story. But going back to one thing we were talking about. This week, you look at these numbers for Igor Sesterkin three and four, one nine six goals against, and a zero nine thirty one save percentage. You see those last two numbers, you said, How many games did you win the series in? Yeah, I, Not, I, I, you lost in seven in pathetic fashion. I they were pathetic, let's be honest. I'm, I'm not even the biggest analytics guy, but the number that really sticks out for me is the goal save above average. For him. Yeah, the expected goal saved above average. It's it was over eight. It was like eight point five percent, and the second closest goalie in the playoffs was at like four something. Like that's yeah. incredible that he he was almost double the rate of the next closest goalie. That's and now and another thing to also, oh, I'm sorry, Phil, because I also got to bring this stat up. Another thing to think about is. The Rangers' power play had uh, they had six power play goals in the series, all of them scored by Chris Kreider. Uh, sorry, five power play goals, although all of them scored by Chris Kreider. Yeah, I think there was maybe one more. Anyway, 
The Devils had three shorthanded goals after that. We can blame the players all you want, but where's the, again, where's the structure? And oh my God, yeah. that one, Doug. Yeah, to, to me, that was what I knew this team was done. I, I, I knew that they were absolutely screwed. I couldn't believe they won game six the way that they did after he came out and said they played well in game five. Like, how, how are you telling me that that team played well? And then you had Truba in his exit interview, and that's why I knew he was a I knew he was a joke of a captain before that, but what he said about them, um, you know, basically not taking accountability for anything and, and saying all the stuff about Jersey playing good. Like, no, like you guys played like crap. You guys played like crap and you're refusing to take any accountability for it. Like you're the captain, step up and actually be a leader and take some responsibility because you've done nothing to turn this team around. Done nothing. And, Looking at this, again, let me bring up this. And I still can't believe that a guy who was an enforcer needed to be told about this. Game three, Timo Meyer falls on Igor Sesterkin's leg. And let's say that's the one that's definitely intentional. Nico Heischer drives to the net, blows it in an edge, and runs into into, um, Igor Sesterkin. Now, while Heischer stood next to him to try to be like, Igor, are you okay? It's just like throwing a high and tight fastball. If you can't control it, you don't throw it. And you know what happens the next inning? Your guys get plunked. And none of that happened with the Rangers. So again, who is that on? That's on the coach. That starts with the coach. If if, if you had to have Tyler Mako out. The one that turns around in the locker room and says, we are not taking this shit anymore. I am going to go take someone's head off, especially when that is your niche, that is your forte. You have to turn around and start giving these smaller, softer guys hell. The problem Mm -hmm. is, is that he can't skate. And that's why he couldn't hit a lot of these guys. But the, the, the thing that annoys me the most about it is that Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer and all these other guys were literally skating across the middle of the ice, some of them with their heads down. How did you not think to step up on them and plant one of them on their ass, especially in games one and two when they kept trying to force everything to the middle, crossing each other like that? How did you not think to step up there? And And, and again, again, it's where it showed a lot of the problems with this team and what – their lack of vision was the lack of adjustments, their lack of accountability. And it starts with the head coach. Now I know when people want to say, well, why not? What, what, what did Drury do again? Drury put a lot of pieces in place that this team should have been more successful. I mean, they should have beaten the devils. I had the Rangers beating the devils in six. Am I, right. am I crying about it? And well, I, I took a day, I took a day and I really did that. And then, because the thing about us is, unfortunately, guys, our job is to get right back to work and start saying what went wrong. And and again, look, Chris, Chris Drury, that's that 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 team had so much talent. And I just I, I started starting because I read this comment about Chris Kreider being a wuss. You know what? You're not wrong on that. You're not wrong because Kreider needed to go take some 
uh, some matters into his own hands. He hasn't done it as much in his career. And a matter of fact, Wayne Simmons at one point in a preseason yelled at him because he said, somebody's got to do something about you. And Wayne Simmons said, you have to, Chris. So it's just not his game. He's never been that guy. Ryan Callahan would jump on a guy before Chris Kreider would. But yeah, yeah. it's just, is not who he is. Hi, Nicholas. Welcome to the show. Um, definitely have, good to have people from England cop, uh, commenting and jumping in on the chats. Um, I, you know what? It, it, you're entitled to your opinion in, in regard to that and saying I don't think it was classless. I think that if if you if you heard about what happened after Game Four, there was a big big shouting match between Drury and the coaching staff. And yeah. After that, that was it. That was it. So it's sort of it's also coaching is a results uh, is a results driven business. And by the way, thank you to the sixty of you watching. Make sure you guys are liking this video, sharing, and subscribe. Yeah, thank you. And yeah, but just, it's also it's also that he, he was the personality that was needed after David Quinn, but then he has his own personality in there, and it's like uh, that it it wasn't meshing well. And again, it's he's also as a track record as a coach. His success is either in the first season or the second season, as he had with Florida. Yeah, he was, and he had it with the Rangers. It was a downhill. Yeah, uh, and that's the problem. Galante, every team he's been with, it, 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 his success rate has gotten worse after the second season. So um, that's why he hasn't lasted, you know, for uh, over I would say three and a half years at his longest stop. But I mean. <laughs> Steven, this is what I, I actually even said this almost verbatim earlier, is that he's not a bad coach, but he just is not the fit for a soft leadership group. You need a hands-on coach. Stephen uh, Valcat said before that um, they go from players coach to Barker, players coach to Barker, and you know it's just kind of a vicious cycle. I mentioned that the other day on Wednesday. They went from Nielsen to Keenan because the, the team needed a kick in the ass after that disappointing 93 season. Then after Keenan, they went to Campbell. And after Campbell, they went to Muckler. And they went to Tortorella. And then they went to Ron Lowe, who was a player's coach. And then they went to Trottier. And then to Sather. And then they went from – and then from the cap, for the cap era on, it's been Tom Rennie, Tortorella Part 2, A.B., Quinn, Barker, and now Gallant, players coach. And so and, that's why they're going to – I have a feeling they're going with a Barker. And by the way, it's not just that. I feel like all sports do that. I mean, I could go back for the New York Mets right now. Buck Showalter, not a Barker. Uh, Mickey Calway, I think. Oh, no, sorry. It was – um, uh, I, I want to say it was Ayala. I forget his name now. Rojas. Luis Rojas, not a Barker, um, or maybe a little bit of one. Mickey Callaway, not a player's coach. Uh, before that, it was – it could go on. And, uh, Terry Collins, who was a bit of a Barker in his past, but not so much. Before that, it was uh, – sh- I'm blanking on some of these names, guys. Sorry. <laughs> but it's it's just that it's – um they – you know, it's just it's it's a natural reaction. You 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 take the you put the foot on the gas, you do you let it off just a little bit. But again, 
the Rangers need to look for a guy that's going to be X's and O's and actually tell these young players what to do and what to get them. Because, look, here's here's one thing that's kind of funny about this. Lafreniere, 39 points. Kako, 40 points. Heedle, 45 points. It looked like he was going to break 50 this year. He didn't. That's a bit of a disappointment. Injury, after, yeah. Yeah, after the Pacers on, a little bit of an injury. All those guys, who do you think has the most average ice time out of all three of those guys um, for the for the season? I'd say probably Heal. It's Kako. And you and you don't even think that. 15 point uh, uh 15 minutes 15 seconds I think I had the number at. And it's it's one of those things where you go so the guy that wasn't getting played or barely getting played 15 minutes 18 seconds and less was Kako. Then you had uh Heedle who got the least. I think it was 14 uh 1447, I think it was, and he had 45, uh, uh, 45 points. Yeah, it's it's likely you gotta trust these guys. Killing. It's penalty killing thing with Kako because he he wasn't playing in a top six role for a lot of that season. Like there was a time where he did, and that line played well with him, Savanajad, and Kreider. But the 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 problem is is that you know a lot of, a lot of that is penalty killing time. Um, Heedle doesn't kill penalties. Lafreniere, they they're not having him in a defensive situation. They don't trust him in that regard. Yeah, they tried him in the preseason. I think they might try him again in the preseason. Um, coming up, Kako at one point was killing penalties this year, and he, that he, does he, help. He killed penalties in the playoffs too. Yeah, so it's it's one of those things that if you're not getting playing uh, playing time, you should go up to your coach. And say, I'll, I'll kill penalties. I'll go out the penalty killing unit. I did that in my junior days. But it's um, it's just the, the rain. You you can't also just say because I know. Let me just highlight what Johnny said, which it was the Rangers are going to trade all their young players for older players because the Rangers are in one of the weirder things. This is what Johnny said. Next move will be to trade our young players for older established players because our core group is getting older, and the organization will say we well we have to go for it. The Rangers are in a weird situation right now. This is why it's a weird situation because. Their older players, like Artemi Panarin, I mean, are you really going to build a franchise around him right now? I think the Rangers are going to ride out the next three years and try to get the hell out of Dodge with him. Uh, that's for one. The uh, Zabanishad, I think if, when he gets going, as he did last year in the playoffs, he, he proves he's, he's a franchise center, obviously. Kreider, he's got like two more years, uh, maybe at, at most, and then they move him. But I think it's just... I think it's just one of those things that you have to invest in the young players and you can still do that while you're looking for a Stanley cup because they're not first and second year players. These guys are down the road. They're four or five years. You're trying to get them to take their next step. By the way, uh, to answer the Marty Saint Louis thing from earlier, I mean, we're going back about 20 minutes now. Marty Saint Louis, the goal and expectations of that team was not to win the Stanley cup. They were, they were bottom feeder at that time. San Luis was just there to try to improve them and keep them at least somewhat stable. Like maybe you could teach some things and hell you saw the shootout move that he pulled in practice, but the, Mark Messier, this team is not, this is not a Mark Messier team. Just stop. And it's never I, be I don't under, I don't understand the, the obsession with Messier 
uh, other than like, like the guys never coached at any level, never. It just not never like Martin San Louis, like at least he was coaching prep school hockey. Like Messier, Messier is kind of detached from the game. Like, I don't understand why people keep talking about him. And this is another thing like, all right. So I, I, I get, they had to take Lafreniere. They had to, I get it. But at the same time, why, like, if you know that the guy that you're about to take, is a left winger. Why are you not looking to move that pick? Yeah, I got to agree with that. I got to agree with that one. That's a Jeff Gordon thing. And if they wanted to say that, and, and at one point, if you remember in the, in the, uh, the, the post draft interview, he said he would consider moving to center if that's a possibility. Cause we all yeah. looked at that donut hole right in the middle and said, Ryan Strom, you're not the guy. Yeah. And that, right. that was another thing, but the, the the problem is, is that this team has been devoid of right wing depth for years, years. They need they need right wing depth, and they still don't have it right now because Kane, Kane and Tarasenko are gone. They're 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 not. There's no there. chance. No chance at hell. But, There's no um, chance. I I and and you know I was saying Tarasenko is going to go for a payday, and Kane is going to get an offer from the Buffalo Sabers to be like come back home. And yeah, and, and and then this is it, and then they go, and then they pick another left winger in Othman. And, and listen, I like Othman as a player. I I, I really do. I, I'm not bashing the player. I, I think he's going to be a good player at the NHL level. But the problem is, oh, you can't draft for need. No, you do need to draft for need, especially when you have a log jam at a position that you're picking the BPA from. When the best player available is a left wing and you have three left wings available or three already on your roster. Why are you taking another left wing? That's why I wanted Svechkov in that draft. That's why I wanted it because we needed a center. We didn't know what we had with Heedle. We all thought he was going to be moved at that time, but I mean, that was still the Jack Eichel rumors. Yeah. And the Jack Eichel rumors, you know, it's just, And by the way, Bobby, I, I understand what you're saying with this, but once you put pen to paper with a no move clause at 11 and a half million dollars, the second highest paid player in the league at that time, you are not only married, but you got to make sure you keep your wife happy for seven years. Yeah. I listen, I, I don't, that can change. One conversation can change that. Remember, Vitaly Kravtsov bolted for Russia after Chris Jury berated him in front of everyone in Hartford. Everyone. And he mm-hmm. bolted for Russia that first time. He, he, Chris Jury's already called Artemi Panarin out publicly. Who's to say that if he doesn't do it again, or they have a conversation behind closed doors and it turns into shouting match, that Artemi Panarin isn't going to want to get out of there. Uh, but- listen, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I'm saying it's a possibility. But the next, but the next hurdle on top of that is you then have to find a trade partner, and then somebody that's willing to take on that salary. And there's nobody that's going to want to take on eleven point five, nobody. And and look, we're all frustrated. I'd get rid of uh, Panarin on my on my thing earlier, but it's it's just it's one of those things that is yeah, goalkeeper. You're right. Who is taking that contract? Yeah, you got to get in. And the great part is he's been a Ranger for New York. Uh, he's been a New York Ranger for four seasons. 
three are 90-point scoring seasons. You have to replace those in the regular season. But, yeah. again, I keep always looking back to the Brendan Shanahan for Paul Coffey trade and just thinking – you got to move something out. You got to give something, you get something. And is that the one that completely changes around your franchise? And Iceman is right about this one. Brunette had a DU, uh, a DUI, both him and Quenville out. Knobloch is the best. Well, I don't know if the DUI gets him out. But also the other thing about Brunette is Brunette had some of those growing pains. Can he really do that? I ex fully expected Brunette was going to take over as the, uh, the as the devil's head coach and Ruff was going to get fired. And then Ruff decided to revert back to being a good coach again. So I was, I was a little bit shocked. Um, I just, I, I, I look at this team and I just, and I just think the, the talent is definitely there. You need a coach that knows how to get structure in there. Structure matters so much more. It does and and that that's the thing it, it, it's it's not only is it structure but it, it's someone that's going to take over and when you know things aren't going right like you you cannot have this team and this leadership group play the way that they did with the the gutless cowardly effort that they put forward and and, and just yeah and that's another he, he just couldn't jump Excuse me. He couldn't adjust on anything. Power play was stale, and and Stevens brought this up uh, a couple of times. They um, they went and kind of deviated from their strategy when Kane sat, and that power play absolutely just took off without Kane on it, without Kane, and then they bring him back. And they put him back on there, and then the power play just goes to complete shit again. Mm -hmm. just, and we talked about when they got Kane, that Kane was brought in to be a guy, not the guy. And instead, they catered everything around Kane. Who's the blame on that one? We'll we'll look into that. Yeah, that's fine. If I find out it's Drury, then Drury gets a little bit more blame on this. But... With and thank you with an all star unit four for 30. Four for 30. Can't, can't, can't be four for 30. Can't, yeah, that, it's not enough. You know, and, and you had all those power play chances to cash in. You cash in on those power play chances in those games, those games are completely different games, and you're looking at a series win instead of sitting here having Gerard Gallant fired. They're playing Carolina, and I think they matched up better against Carolina than they did against Jersey. All right, but again, just looking at – I, I, I got to address what Patrick just said right there, and thank you, by the way, for doing it. I mean, you're talking about – right now we have in our poll, who do you want to be the next – or who should be the next Rangers head coach? Chris Knobloch, 35%. Mike Sullivan, 26%. Tied with Mark Messier, who's never coached a game, and you want to win a Stanley Cup. It's not happening. It's not happening. It'll never happen. And if it proves me wrong, so be it. I could think of Bob Brentley. I think somebody else named the rookie head coach won, uh, that won. Or uh, George Seifert won a Super Bowl his first year with the San Francisco 49ers after being an assistant with Bill Walsh, who is on the short list of greatest NFL coaches of all time. So, okay, that's two 
in sports. Here, here's the problem, though. That's as a player. That's not as a coach. Yeah. Playing and coaching are two different things. You have to be able to understand X's and O's. The coach that we had did not understand X's and O's at all and couldn't make an adjustment. So why are we going to bring in another coach who has little to no experience in this in this very, very important factor and, and try to you know risk another few years of, of incompetence and, and not getting the job done? It's not happening. Messi is not happening. A lot of this this just needs to die. Look, I and I just want to also say this. I'm still a fan of Gerard Gallant. I I hope he does well in future endeavors. Great guy. Good good coach for a short term. You already know what he is. But as far as I'm concerned, my impression of Gerard Gallant now is I don't know if he understands Cheerios. Never mind X's and O's. So it's just and. As AZ is saying, Herb Brooks did not win the gold medal with a roster of all-stars. He had the right players playing in alignment with one cohesive system. Yes, but all the players got to hate him. That's what they all stay all they all were focused on him. It's Keenan. Keenan the the motto in 94 with Keenan was heave ho. And the heave ho was because he was the the ship master who you know cracked the whip and they 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 didn't like him. They didn't like him at all. And and Nessie, if any of you got – I don't know how many people have watched the Road to Victory 94 DVD, but it tells you a lot about the relationship that Keenan had with the players. And Glenn Healy talks about, you know, them be, you know him getting be, – or, you know, Richter getting benched and then going back to him and then going back to Richter. And, I mean, he even pissed the goalies off. That's how yeah. badly he was hated in New York. And, then and what a lot of the things Keenan requests back then are commonplace nowadays. He always talked about a state-of-the-art level of fitness and using new tactics to try to figure out uh, new trainings. And you watch if you watch the uh, Oh Baby video, you could see a lot of that. But th- these are all commonplace now, so it's not really all that big of a deal. But also, you know, Stephen, this is the one voice of reason in this. If it was Messier coming in as an assistant, I'd be fine with that as a head coach. No way. And by the way, I, I agree with you. It, it, but Mark Messier wouldn't be an assistant. Mark Messier was the second fiddle under Wayne Gretzky. That's it. Uh, you know, I'm not going to sit here and talk about his playing career because his playing career has nothing to do with the actual conversation. It really doesn't. I'm sorry, it doesn't. You're, you're talking about you know, we will win tonight and all this other stuff about Messi game six. It has nothing to do with anything. He did it as a player. He hasn't done anything as a coach. He has zero coaching experience at any level. He has not even coached at a peewee or a bantam level. This is how, I mean, I, I don't understand how that anyone can think that this guy is qualified. The coach, when he has nothing, it literally, you know, it's literally no, no coaching experience whatsoever. I, I mean, yeah. if, I, if he was coaching at junior, I would say, okay, because Wah, Wah went straight from junior in the Quebec Major Junior League to the NHL and won coach of the year as a rookie head coach. He run Jack Adams in 2014. So, I mean, it's it, again, it's you're you're talking about superficial 
things and, and then equating them into coaching. The greatest player ever was not a good coach. And yeah, yeah, he was an adequate coach. That comment, just as Mark brings up that comment, he yeah. was not a good coach at all. He wasn't. Oh, and by the way, just to say for this, Modine, no, Mark Messier as a player is not overrated. No, somebody, uh, Patrick Hamos, I think, said he was overrated. Uh, I was like, nah, yeah, that's, that's another Yeah, thing. but you know what? Even yeah, at I that, I, I think – he was overrated and all this other crap. And, you know, I, I think I understand what he's trying to say because I think Mark Messier kind of goes into that category of – at 97 was the, the peak of his career. After 19 – the game five versus the Flyers, he never played a playoff game ever again. So I can understand that, and again – but I do have to disagree. All right, as a leader, he's overrated. I disagree on that. But it's also different when you're one of the guys and you're leading the group than telling them what to do. It's different being the oldest brother than being the dad. As a leader, he's overrated. No, he's not. He's the only, he's literally the only player to captain two different teams in the Stanley Cup, and he could have won the contest. Oh, he's the first both of those times. Oh, no, sorry. No, you're right. Sorry, my bad. He's the only one. My bad. No, because, no one else has done it. Because I've asked the question on how many players have been captains that have won. There's two free agent signings that they've changed teams, but they weren't captains originally. That's the thing. No. Because Brendan Moore was a captain, but they but he was a captain on the Brendan team. Brendan Moore only won no. one cup, though. Yeah. But, I mean, only one. Um Chara was a free agent signing. Everybody else to develop from within. That's usually what my point on that one is. Uh. Yeah, I, 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 I can't take that that whole overrated as a leader seriously. Think I'm sorry. I'm just not going to. I'm not even going to further address it because I just think it's a. Hey, I, you I, know, I, that's a that, oh, was that a goal? I'm watching a Carolina game. It looked like someone just scored, but uh, I guess they have to review that then. A uh, bigger issue here is the cap situation. This team is having a log jam of overpaid left wingers with no depth at center. Vinny T was good and not worth the bucks that we're paying. Jury's put us in cap bell. Uh, again, I don't think Jury put us in cap bell. No, I think it was Gordon, Gordon. Gordon absolutely put them in cap bell. Gordon absolutely. Put, you're paying $19 million to two players, and one can't perform in the playoffs, and the other one is was expected to be a number one defenseman, and he's not. The other thing that also oh, kind of hurt a little bit of that is Adam Fox accelerating as much yeah. as he is. And Adam Fox, uh, uh, there are some people that want I know you kind of like said a couple things, Phil, but it's not like you're blaming him for the loss in that series, right? No, I just think he was terrible. He's another one, though. That he was terrible after game two. He, he, wasn't, he wasn't good in game – I don't think he was really even that good in game six. Um, I, I just – you know, let, let's uh, – when I look at Adam Fox, I see a player that's incredibly smart, super talented. New Jersey just scored one nothing. That was a bad goal. Um, but um, Adam Fox just – he just did not play well enough. And here's a guy who has great edge work, but his straight line speed is just absolutely – horrendous i mean was he exhausted okay maybe but if he's exhausted then either you know conditioning and conditioning is either a problem or cardio 
has to be addressed, mm-hmm. right? Or or the 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 minutes have to be addressed because you cannot continue to play him twenty six minutes a game in the regular season and then expect him to be able to do it in the playoffs. It just it doesn't work like that. Barube is still going to be in St. Louis. I don't think that they've. I don't think the rumors of him getting dismissed are going to happen. But even at that, I think he was sort of a perfect storm cut type of coach. And always pretty good with them the next year. But look, and I understand, I, I do understand though, what, what uh, Guido is saying right there, where it was uh, that the Rangers kind of made their bed at their center position. Now, you know who their centers are. It's a Banishad, It's Trocek. It's Heedle. Bang. That's it. Now you have to figure out your wingers. You got to add some toughness and some grit. And you got to hope that it's, it's going to come from within and it's going to be tough. I would like to know what a new coach is going to do for Alexei Lafreniere, because that's the thing you got to, and, and it's, I, I know Kako, but I still have the belief Kako is going to be there. My my faith in Alexei Lafreniere is shaken after that playoff series. Uh, what about Haxtell? No, Haxtell's not going anywhere. I, I like Dave Haxtell. I liked him going back to North Dakota. I followed North Dakota. Well, Haxtell was a coach, and he was there for a long time with them. But um, he's not going anywhere after the season he's had with Seattle. They bought in. Um, they look hungry. And they look like they trust him. So yeah, I, I don't, I don't think that, uh, I, I don't think he's going anywhere. And yeah, everybody, yeah, and this too, everybody is complaining about Kane. But Kane had more points than Hughes and Meyer combined. He had, he had yeah. six points in seven games in that series. Patrick Kane was not the big problem in that series. But again, think about this: that the Rangers actually scored more five-on-five goals than the Devils. If anything, I, I, I'm still amazed about it, Phil, because I thought the Rangers were going to win that series by being better defensively, and then it was the Devils that did it. And yeah. again, the Devils, Devils had three shorthanded goals. Yeah, you the can't hell? have three short, And then, and then the, the, the Fox play on um, in Game 7 on the first goal of the plot, like that's inexcusable. Just inexcusable. Yeah. He, he, he screws around with the puck. And doesn't want to move his feet, so he turns it over, and then he doesn't play the body on Pollock. Mm. That's what you need to do. And, and you know what, Adam Fox, he he hurt he hurt them after game two. He hurt them. Um, by the way, Justin, the reason why you could have him out there is because you have to have a guy like Brian Lingwin next to him. Uh, that's why it's okay. I'm gonna look up the Goudreau contract because I don't think he's getting bought out, and I don't think he's getting moved. I because, think he's getting moved. I don't think he's getting bought out. Yeah, I know he's got the living in no trade clause. I just don't know how uh, that's going to happen. It's a 15-team no trade. So, I mean, you can move him. It just might cost you giving up a – I wouldn't say a, a, a big significant asset, but you might have to move an asset with him to move him. And I don't I don't think this team is opposed to doing that. They, they moved Patrick Nemeth. And Patrick – and Goodrow is a Patrick – Goodrow is a far better player than Patrick Nemeth, but they moved yeah. an asset along with Patrick Nemeth to get Patrick Nemeth out. So we still got everybody voting on the poll right now. Mark Messi is now taking over second place on who should be the coach of the Rangers. Keep voting on the poll right now, everybody. 
I'm going to check out Cap Friendly right now to see what that would that's going to be like if they actually bought Here's him out. Here's another thing that nobody's talking about. Ryan Lindgren cannot be playing on this team's top pairing. I'm sorry, he's just not good enough. He isn't. He just isn't. He's a good defenseman, but he's on that top pairing because he's Adam Fox's best friend, and that's what this comes down to. Like, I mean, it, it, it just – Ryan Lindgren's just not good enough. He's not. Uh, you know, and and it, it reminds me of Dan Girardi a lot in a way that, you know, people loved Dan Girardi because he's, he's a warrior and, like, you know, grit. But Dan Girardi was completely deficient at moving the puck. And that yeah. hurt the team at a lot of times because he just wasn't able to do it. Oh, his his – his strategy was, oh, let me get the puck to Ryan McDonough. Ryan McDonough will move the puck for me. And, he was, and it was really, like that with Mark Stahl, too, because Mark Stahl was a superior skater to him. When he was, yeah, at that time, uh-huh. yes. But that that evaporated quickly. If the Rangers bought out the Barkley Gugo contract, Gugo, Gugo, um, 23-24, they would save uh, $200,000. Uh, sorry, the buyout cost it's it's 1.258 per season, and I believe it balloons to three million dollars. Oh, no, sorry, 3.6. This is all the savings. It, the cap it goes up 3.65 in year three, and then it's 1.258 for the next. Sorry, it's uh, year four, it's 3.6. So it could make sense to buy up Barkley Goodrow, but it's still you can move on from him. I I wonder who they're going to get to fill his shoes, though. Yeah, I, I you know what the, the problem is is he can't have him as a fourth line center. If he was going to be this team's third line center, okay, then you could stomach three point six million, but you can't stomach three point six million for a luxury fourth line center. You just can't. It, it's it's not good cap management. Um, I, I will say this, that he is still a, a good player and he can be a third liner. Uh, he just can't be a third line center. He either has to be a third line winger with two vastly superior offensive players who also play good sound two-way hockey akin to the line that he was on at Tampa, or he has to be a fourth line center and, there has to be some serious speed with him because this devil series showed us anything. He got caved in in his own zone. Because yeah. He did not keep up with that speed. And he again, he wasn't the problem. It's just that you have to figure out better ways to utilize him. Yeah. So you, I, you, you can't, you can't, you, well, it's not better just to utilize him. It's you have to figure out better ways to utilize $3.6 million of cap space. Can't be on a fourth line center. Can't be. Right. And I don't think he was brought in to be the fourth line center. I think he was brought in to be a third line right wing. And instead that ends up being a second overall draft pick. So it's, and again, it's uh, Steven saying it best right here. A loss cannot be pinned on a single player. No, player and Fox was dog Miller. shit too. Lindgren was not good enough either. Shruba and Miller were both horrendous. Um, I mean, the only person that really was any good in that series was Igor Shosturkin. Kreider was also bad in four of the seven games. And you you cannot 
You cannot have your, your star players have to be your star players, and they weren't in this series. Uh, just to address this one, Philk, and we're probably going to be getting out of here in about two minutes. Yeah. Uh, that uh, State of Survival saying that it, uh, I didn't realize this, but there are five teams with no coach Ducks, Flames, Jackets, Rangers, and Capitals. If the Rangers don't move fast, they might be stuck with someone they don't know or like. Here's the reason why I disagree with you. Philk, rate those jobs. The Flames could be a desirable job. The Ducks are a rebuild. So you don't you don't know. I mean, and that's a nice area to live in, Anaheim, that, that SoCal area. Real nice. Um, I don't know how many teams want the Jackets job, uh, the Capitals job. I don't know how many teams are going to want that job either. I mean, yeah, you have Alexander Ovechkin in his twilight years, and it might be nice because you're going to get to be the coach that's on the bench when Alexander Ovechkin breaks Wayne Gretzky's record. But what about after? What mm-hmm. if he decides to retire after? Or what if he stays for the duration of that contract and he deteriorates because he's slowing down and the game is getting faster? I mean, that's not a team that you ideally would want to be on. And they're, they're probably going to move if getting Kuznetsov this offseason. It's, finally, it's and, probably going to happen finally. And, and again, I have to agree with Phil. I would put the Capitals as number five. Uh, it's not even close. They're, yeah, they're not and, it. And I, I see two comments here about Bedard. You, you don't you don't factor in Bedard to a coaching job when Bedard it, it's it's not even we have to wait until tomorrow night to think about that exactly tomorrow night could change the the Ducks and the Jackets on that list but here's the reason why I'm again the Capitals as everything Phil just outlined but the, there's not much in their pipeline their Stanley no. Cup window is more than shut it's shut it, it, it's it's shut like the the vault in um in war games. It's, it's just, it's not, it's, it's not there. And the Rangers, they still have a Stanley cup window open. Potentially Uh, the, the flames potentially still have a Stanley cup window open. Those are two jobs that are more attractive. And the other thing about the other two jobs, Phil is look what happened to Todd McClellan when he wanted to go coach Connor McDavid. Great. You wanted to leave San Jose. You want to go coach the kid and not really great results. He found himself packing his bags too pretty quickly yeah i just yeah i i look at yeah bedard generational possible type talent yeah get it totally understand why that could be an attractive job but again you're not going to win with a team like that for at least another three to five years yeah and And are you going to be the coach when they're there yeah exactly i was just going to say Coaches, their shelf lives are anywhere between three to five years for the most part. So I I would already – I wouldn't factor in Bedard as much of a uh, – as, as, a, as a big piece to try to get a coach there because if, let's just say, you're there, you maybe you get a pass for the first couple of years because they're building. Then in years like three, four, and five, there's there's a big problem at that point if you're if you're still not winning at that point. So um, I, I would say if anything, it's not it's not the attraction that you think. Uh, DFSR, hi, welcome to the show. They're probably going to be on for a few more minutes, guys. But Robert is saying Rangers roster is not changing. They just need a better system. Get Quenville in place. Quenville is not coming. 
they, the Rangers have said they're out. And also, I laid yeah. it out before. If the Rangers tried, it's just no, it's not a good idea. He's already a distraction before he walks in the door. And don't see, I, I, you know what? I, I thought they were going to go with him because there was there was word that it was going to happen. Yeah, uh, but who knows? Maybe it could be a smokescreen. I think maybe Gary Bettman gave them the no, and that's why it's not happening. But um, there was a comment about Laffy. Just to get on that one, Laffy's not the reason why the Rangers aren't winning, and also, well, he's not a reason why they aren't. But there's also, I think, this year is a good reality check for Alexei Lafreniere. I don't think he, I, I, he, you can't be going home in this at the end of this series and going, well, I did my best. The, the team fucked no, me. He didn't. They do no. need to utilize him better, but he needs to improve as well. We'll see what we have to, to get out of that. Uh, Anthony is saying the Rangers had to put Laffy and Kako on the top lines. Now they're five years in behind Jack Hughes. Yeah. Yeah. This is Quinn's and Galan's fault. And look, if you're going to throw the kids in the deep end of the pool, you you got to get them to swim. You don't just put them back in the shallow end, or worse, take them out of the pool. It's it's not a good idea. Um, but also think about this: the last two series, Phil. We excuse the 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 second one I'm about to bring up, but this series, the Rangers had a two nothing lead, and they lost in in five. Last the Eastern Conference Finals, they had a two nothing lead. They lost and and a two nothing lead in Game Three. And they lost that series. They were non-existent in games four and game six until the Vetrano goal. And then uh, at game five, they had a fighting chance. But it's just, yeah. Uh, it, you know, yeah, that's the second straight series. They blew a 2 nothing lead in. And you, you can't do that. You cannot yeah. do that. And I, I, I just, to me, another thing that's, damning about Gallant was the fact that you know they got to game four and that effort in game four was just horrendous. Yep. Horrendous. They did not look like they wanted that that to me that that was that was a big big red flag. Like when you show up to play like that in a playoff game or don't show up I should say to play like that playoff game you cannot yeah, it's second second straight series with 2-0 series lead and the lead in game three. You have the chance to step on their throat, and they didn't. And and both on the first goal by Chris Kreider. And the Devils now have a 3-0 lead after a shorthanded goal. Wow. Wait, Carolina. Carolina's on the road. They're going to lose a game uh, yeah. in the playoffs? I'm shocked. I wouldn't, be sh- I wouldn't be shocked if they lose both of these games. Yeah. So. But... I mean, guys, so we're going to cover more of this on the Wednesday show. It's going to be the big show for us. We both, unfortunately, have to cut it off here. Uh, You guys are great. There was uh, 64 of you still watching right now. Uh, And we do these. Whenever there's any big news, we'll always break it. We might do some of these, like, on Sundays, just because there's hockey talk to be had. And, you know, it's just. It couldn't go on yesterday about this because I was about to leave for work. And it, it's just, again, just there's only way to describe it right now. Fucking embarrassing. And I turned it down already for the uh, the other thing. So because uh, yeah. we're going to play out bye-bye. 
Everybody, if you haven't subscribed, make sure you're subscribing and leave us a like on this. Uh, it helps out the algorithm, and we're looking to infect uh, big Apple virus everywhere. Uh, and the good news is there won't be any restrictions. You can have it anywhere you want. Filk, uh, so make your prediction. Who's going to be the New York Rangers head coach? Let's say Andrew Burnett. I'm, I'm thinking it's if I'm thinking Mike Sullivan still becomes available. It's funny because you brought this I, I up. I think Sullivan was actually the best choice. I, I yeah. just I doubt the availability. I, I just don't know. And Not often GMs come in and don't put their own guy in there. So I wonder if it would be. You know what? Peter Laviolette actually. I think actually I think it, I'm going to change it. I'm going to go with Peter Laviolette. Because I think they're going to go with the Barker, and Laviolette's a bit of a Barker. He's going to want them to wake up, and I think they want somebody that's experienced because they can't make they they can't bring in a rookie head coach right now with this team being too old to reset. So. And you know what, Peter Laviolette, he knows how to develop young players. That's why I'm not against that. I mean, look at what he did in in Nashville. Look at what he did with the Flyers. Look at what he did with Carolina. And in a way, do you think anybody talked about Sean Bates before and after he left the New York Islanders? No. I mean, there's uh, he had a hand in developing Jason Blake as well. There's another one. It's just there's just going from the Islanders. I didn't even focus on Carolina or anybody else. Look, um, and I was I was all for him being the Rangers coach in 2014, but it's uh. Why I wanted him back then. Yeah. I wanted him over AV. I did not like AV. And then I did like AV. And then I stopped liking it. <laughs> it's just it's just the way it all goes. And yes, Justin, I think it is destiny that he ends up either Sullivan or uh, Laviolette. Because after all, Laviolette was a Rangers draft pick. I still have a media guy in a minute. Guys, thank you very much for joining us. And the 53 is still watching. And make sure you leave us a like. And also tune in Wednesday for our weekly show. And we'll see you soon.